The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Pacific Life. Protecting generations of families for 150 years, that's the power of Pacific. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, November 13th. In today's news, an earthquake in the Middle East has killed more than 300 people. Roy Moore says he's the victim of a conspiracy. And House Republicans are on track to pass their tax cut bill by the end of this week. But first, the big idea. President Trump's comments about Vladimir Putin on his Asia trip are eroding U.S. credibility. After a week of impressive message discipline across Asia, Trump reopened a wound on Saturday when he indicated that he believes Vladimir Putin's denials that Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential campaign. These remarks prompted immediate pushback from lawmakers in both parties and the CIA. Later on, during a news conference with Vietnam's president, Trump tried to parse his remarks, saying that he believes Putin believes that they didn't interfere. He also tweeted, though, that having a relationship with Russia is, quote, a good thing. Trump's comments this weekend are widening his credibility gap, and they erode the United States' standing on the world stage. Here's why. His behavior around his relationship with the Russians is making him look weak and creating the impression, whether true or not, that he's hiding something. Why has Trump never talked tough on Putin? That's a $64,000 question that he keeps begging. Our fact-checking team today has created a timeline that shows the Trump campaign had contact with the Russians at least 30 times throughout the campaign. And those are just the meetings and emails we know about from the public record. There could be many more we don't yet. Trump claims that he won't rip into Russia because working with the Kremlin to tackle crises like North Korea is in America's interest. Yet he has no qualms about trashing the leaders of his own party here at home, who he desperately needs to advance his domestic agenda. The president also looks naive in all of this, not just to foreign leaders, but at home, too. Former CIA Director John Brennan and former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, both of whom Trump called political hacks over the weekend, said that his latest comments about Putin show that he is easily played by foreign leaders who stroke his ego. The intelligence community is also concerned that Trump's comments highlight the continuing tensions that exist between them and the president, which adversaries can use to their advantage. Most importantly, if Trump continues to refuse to forcefully respond to the Russia election interference, the Russians will believe that there will be no consequences for meddling, and they will try to do it again in future elections. Instead of cracking down, Trump's soft response is granting more and more legitimacy to Putin without getting any concessions in return. Finally, Trump's erratic response to Putin this weekend made his staff's job a lot harder. Administration officials devote a huge amount of their time to squaring the president's public comments with official policy. On Sunday, White House surrogates took to the Sunday shows again to explain what Trump really meant. Meanwhile, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who's traveling in Vietnam yesterday, was asked by reporters about Trump's tweets. In one, he called North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un short and fat. (laughs) Kelly brushed aside the question. He said that he has told all West Wing staffers not to react to any tweets from the president. He said that the posts, quote, are what they are. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a massive earthquake killed more than 300 people on the Iraq-Iran border late Sunday. The earthquake had a magnitude of 7.3. The death toll is expected to rise. The majority of the casualties occurred in Iran, 
which sits on top of several major fault lines and has suffered a number of devastating earthquakes in recent years. Number two, Senate candidate Roy Moore tried to rally support behind his campaign this weekend following allegations that he pursued sexual or romantic relationships with teenage girls when he was in his 30s. On Saturday, Moore framed the allegations as a political conspiracy perpetrated by the media and his political enemies. He also cast doubt on the intentions of his accusers. At a gathering in Huntsville, Alabama, on Sunday, Moore focused on conservative religious ideals and threatened to sue the Washington Post, which first reported on the allegations. Moore's effort to refocus his campaign comes as Republicans nationally continue to withdraw their financial support. Several GOP lawmakers have called for Moore to bow out before the December 12th special election, but he shows no indication of doing so. Number three, the House plans to vote on its version of the tax bill by the end of this week. Party leaders hope that doing so will stabilize GOP attitudes after the losses in last week's election. The Senate Finance Committee also expects to vote on its version of the package within the next few days. Stark differences between the House and Senate bills remain unresolved, but there's enough overlap to keep the White House optimistic that an agreement can be reached by Christmas. Enactment of the tax cut package would mark Trump's first major legislative accomplishment at a point when his job approval rating has dropped to a record low for this point in a presidential term. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, November 13th. You can read much more about the president's Asia trip in my newsletter at WashingtonPost.com slash Daily 202. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Holman, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.